Breathe with me. It's on. Awesome guitar in the end. We've never had someone play like you know like that, which is we never had someone come and play Firestar and Brave, (laughs) and we we will never forget it. You can sample it, use it yourself. Place in the crap podcast. I think we're in action. I think we're good evening. How are you doing? Gizbud, welcome to Facing the Crowd podcast. I'm Perks, this is Hobo. You got a big smile. <laughs> Unless I'm very much mistaken, you have some kind of Les Paul under your arm. Oh, let me just get rid of that. No, no, give Sorry us a song. <laughs> uh, well, I was just about to play, what was, what was I going for? You probably won't know it. Do you know that track? No, hey, that was wicked. That was a great riff. <laughs> what was the song? Eye of Shaman. Oh, okay. Eye of Shaman. Yeah, it's on the Where Legend Began album. There's a, there's a guy from the States that he he just is so obsessive about that stuff. He wouldn't, he, you know, I teach him it. So, right. Okay. Right. Oh, well. it. That was nice. a great intro. Yeah. You just, just started playing the Les Paul. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. Never... You can use yeah. that as your next jingle. <laughs> I like it. I could I like copy it. and paste that and jingle that at the end. I might. I might. Don't tempt me. <laughs> How you doing, mate? You good? Yeah, I'm fine. Excellent. Okay. Well, first of all, we'd like to uh, congratulate you on Face Your Biggest Fear. We've had that one on play. Have you? Yeah, it's a great Have album, you. man. Great album. Um, so we were wondering, what is your biggest fear? Mm, well, I used to be very scared of spiders, but I've got over that one. Right, right. So I guess that's I faced it. Did you? Yeah, I. Uh, when I was a kid, you know, I was shit scared of spiders um, to the point where if I thought that there was one in the room, you know, I was I would get hysterical, you know. But then um, I guess when I got my own house, and then when spiders came into it, I thought, well, you're in my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so got an idea of how to get over it to this spider because the only reason why you fear it is because it's it appears bigger in your mind than what it actually is now obviously i don't expect you to have like a little you know like a container of tipex free whenever you see a spider but if you did and if you just dabbed a tiny bit on one of its legs whenever you see it again that's the spider so it's kind of like you know oh it's you again yeah so then it, you wouldn't be so scared of it because you've kind of formed a little friendship. That's right, yeah. You know, and, the way uh, forward, mate. Literally chasing spiders around your house with yeah. topics. 
Well, that's what happened with, I didn't put any Tipex on it, but me and this spider in the garage, we kind of, every time I'd open up the door, you know, I gave it a little name and the spider would come out and it was, it was oh, great. Yeah, I loved like it. Michael Jackson with that rat, isn't it? That same sort of thing. What was he called, Ben? <laughs> Remember that? I think it was called Ben. Yeah, I think he might have written a song about it. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know the song. I'm not familiar. No, no, no. no. Fair play, mate. So let's let's get a bit. Let's get into. Um, so how old were you when you sort of like realised that you wanted to be a guitarist? Was guitar the first instrument you picked up, or? Oh well, you know, I played the drums when I was six. Mm. Um, but I think uh, what really started it off was just hearing the um, intro of Revolution by the Beatles. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, it's just basically a Chuck Berry kind of thing. Um, (laughs) Just something like that. It's just very, very basic. Mm. But it was the fuzzbox sound of it. Yeah. Um, So I think that made me want to pick one up. But then the uh, the difficulty is, what do you do when you pick it up, you know? And um, I remember just kind of like, uh, get, my brother had a guitar around the house and I was just sort of like messing around with it. And um, just doing that, yeah. trying, to, trying to pull out the melody of um, She Loves You, just the melody of it. And then later on, um, yeah, I got a guitar for, for my birthday. Uh, it was a little while afterwards. I started just kind of, I didn't know how to play a chord. And I was trying to play chords like this. Like that kind of thing. Um, and I'd, I was literally doing it all by ear. I didn't know any chord shapes. And then I just, my dad bought me a chord book. And... Then the chord A came, came through, you know, so I just started playing. Um, and then from that, I guess I, I learned a load of rock and roll stuff, just like Eddie Cochran things. Um, I mean, I, and then finally got onto playing some punk, you know. Probably the first punk song I ever played was probably Pretty Bacon, you know. Mm. that you know. I could already play the A chord, so I was halfway there. <laughs> but it was actually, punk was, for, for the guitarist I was then, was still very sophisticated, really, for what, I, you know, because really, if you think about it, you know, all that stuff. It's still very sophisticated when you're when really all you know is you know that's all you know yeah brilliant yeah yeah but it was still very sophisticated at the time i i read that you you think that holidays in the sun is the best song ever is that true or the best punk song or... there's other thing Yes. 
Why is that not a lot of uh, love? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just everything about that is so kind of, it just makes you feel good. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. I mean, it was a brilliant album, wasn't it? You know, Sam, yeah. I think you're going to have to get your guitar and plug it in and have a jam with this <laughs> over Zoom. There's going to be a lag. This, this, this is... Yeah, there'd be a lag. There will be a lag. Yeah, it yeah, would be very yeah. confusing. Um, so, so Steve yeah. was talking about that program last week, wasn't he, on the podcast where there's no lag? Yeah. What was it again? I can't, I can't remember, remember what it was. Yeah, well, it was we could, I mean, we could try, I know, I could play a, like a, a riff and then you could echo it back. You know, we could just have fun doing that. Not playing <laughs> together, but kind of playing like an echo of each other. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. So <laughs> as a guitarist, who are your five biggest heroes or influences would you say okay well van Halen's at the top yeah yeah because simple it's nothing to do with the tapping it's not the tapping the tapping's great but it's all the other stuff that he does i mean mm. to me the, the, the tapping is literally just one thing that he does yeah it's, it's everything else you know it's uh that guy's the energy that that guy's got is just he always sounds like he's 18 years old you know mm-hmm. So, uh, always... it's the way we does that kind of, um, what's it now? Huh? That, that riff is just great. Those riffs are the ones I really like. Yeah. So he's got this little trick where he always goes. So instead of just going. Instead of just doing that, he goes. It's just so windy. I really love it. Yeah, it's just it's, and he's got this where he goes like a that kind of thing, and also the huge stretches. That sort of stuff. I mean, when I used to see that, I thought, "What the hell is that? That's a monster!" You know. Mm. Oh, so, completely, completely. Eruption, wasn't it? That yeah, first one you done. God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, so Van Halen's at the top. Um, I'll, I'll, Captain Sensible always had a lot of respect for him. Uh, the Machine Gun Etiquette album, especially. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. He's another guy. He's like the bluesy equivalent of Van Halen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've look, got... look at Little Sister, isn't it? That's that track. Yeah. Um, the... It's wicked, isn't it? That track. That's a great yeah. one. I'm kind of a. Let's see. I mean, I'm kind of a little bit more into. Let's see. Look, um... That 
Mary had a little lamb. Yeah. But just loads of that stuff. I really like it. Of course, Steve Jones, Angus Young, um, Thin Lizzy, um, the Scott Gorham and Brian Robertson lineup, especially. Yeah, nice. nice. Yeah, those guys we really like it. Well, you know, I don't mind a little bit of Ingvy Malmsteen. I mean, I, I know obviously he comes across as being like one of the world's, you know, just over the top guitarists, but that's he does it well. You know, so yeah. I'm okay with that. If people do it and they mean it, it's, and it's it's all right, you know. I mean, I wouldn't listen to it all day. I'd just listen to a, like a, a couple of albums or something like that, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, still, um, I like a lot of, I like a lot of guys. I like a lot of people. I've got that Stevie Ray Vaughan um, Essentials on my <laughs> iTunes. And I'm all, I always listen to it when I'm at work. There's <laughs> just so many good tracks, but it's like... Stevie Ray Vaughan is great. Sort of, uh, plodding along with it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I listen to a lot of his live stuff as well. So, I mean, I really like it, but so it, 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 it just has that ferocity in him. You know, he's just got that. Um, there's a pain inside the notes, mm. uh, an expression, yeah, which, yeah, which I like. You know, it's that's that kind of thing. You know, when you can pick up a guitar and just just embed yourself in it for an hour you know you can forget a lot of troubles yeah oh completely it's, it's no it's, bad thing no 100 percent. yeah i mean because what i've always found um with your style of playing is obviously um uh, you know a lot of what you, you're sort of classic punk guitarist there wasn't a lot of solos going on but you're a proper shredder aren't you so that's pretty cool see the thing was is that in the beginning there was always solos uh, and i can't understand um really while a lot of these uh you know a lot of punks just suddenly came along and started really dismissing it because the sex pistols had solos the damn the clash they all had solos i mean and when you go on even later than that dead kennedys and discharge you know they all had solos uk subs they all had solos mm. so obviously what it is 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 it's just come, it's come along later, you know, when someone has been inspired by punk and, and uh, they think, you know, they're kind of jumping on the bandwagon and they're kind of like copying the things that used to be said in the press yeah. that maybe Malcolm McLaren might have encouraged, you know, rather than actually copying the Sex Pistols as such, they're more copying the press that surrounded them and more the image that's not even true or real anyway you know sid vicious i mean bless him but what a fucking idiot you know he was a fool so why would you want to be like that because that guy's just a caricature and you know he, he was a train wreck mm. he signed up to an image that wasn't real and then yeah. followed it to his death you know who wants to do that no that's right so it's the same as like when someone in in the the whole punk thing when they all suddenly start talking bullshit oh you can't play guitar solos what do you mean i can't play guitar solos are you are you suddenly giving me rules isn't that what punk was actually about breaking the fucking things yeah yeah, you're you're giving me a rule you know what fuck off you know so that my attitude has always been anyone who's weird to me about guitar solos fuck off just go and do one you know yeah go and listen to the stereophonics 
Yeah, oh, completely. Yeah. We love guitar solos here. Yeah. Go, go <laughs> listen to some <laughs> shit, because that's where you belong. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Mate. What, what, is, what is shit in your eyes? What don't you like? Stereophonics. Yeah. Go play. Go play. I'm with you there. Yeah, Bruno <laughs> Mars. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Got you. I get so many of them. Is us it. I don't really want to think of them because I, I can't. Florence and the Machine. Mm. No, that does nothing for me. I hate it. Literally zero. My, one of my mates was the bass player. Yeah, that was the guy we were playing cards with, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? Uh, he yeah. was there, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, he but was. He doesn't do it anymore, so it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff is rubbish. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It, it, it's, it's almost like there's not. Much... Yeah. <laughs> it's the songs are written just to just to get to the top of the charts. Oh, oh, no, wait a minute, fashion. Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, uh, people be, rate him, don't they? That's got to be the peak of of shite, don't they? <laughs> Some of the things he says are the peak of shite, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. He's Toss- crazy. He's crazy. Yeah, blimey. screw loose. <laughs> <laughs> I think he thinks he's like Jesus or something, doesn't he? Yeah. He's taking too much acid. I mean, it's it's just, <laughs> like, you know, you just feel like saying, good God, you know, have you, you've obviously, you've, you've taken way too much acid. You've not come down. I mean, it, it was okay to say it in 1966 and 67, but surely not now, you know. So obviously you're heavily into music as as we know, but, is there anything, any other sort of hobby outside of music that you, you like to do that, that no one knows about? or something You know, I've been, this, this, has been, this has been part of my failing, really, in life. It's that I've just given maybe too much to music, and I've kind of, that, that side of my life has suffered a little bit, you know. Um, let me just get a bit more light on here. Um, so, like, for instance, I mean, I love motorcycling. Um I love cyc- cycling. You know, I'm good with that. I'm a big fan of history. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I I really love history. So like I'm cycling and seeing stuff, walking and seeing stuff, um, maybe going on a boat or whatever, seeing stuff, swimming, sailing, all that kind of stuff, anything. Um, I'm the world's, well, not the world's biggest. One, I'm just in there. I'm in the top, What you know, million of Beatles fans. Do you know what I mean? I'm just an absolute obsessive Beatles fan, you know. Mm-hmm. So I so I I find it that's an interesting thing as well for me, you know, I just get into that. So I might make little pilgrimages here and there, you know, and go and see stuff, you know. But yeah, I missed out on a lot of other things which I'd like to sort of you know, I I'm hoping I'm not too old to actually sort of get into them now, you know. You must so, have seen always seen a lot of places though on your on your on your tours of all these hundreds of bands you've been in, kids. I've seen a lot of places, yeah. Been all over the place, you know. Um but you know one of the sad things about that is that you literally you you just see the inside of a club, you know. Right. You don't even see on the way in and you don't see on the way out. So you don't actually know what anything looks like. You can visit it afterwards and find out, you know. I mean, there have been some places where I've played and I've thought, this place is amazing. I need to come back here again. Mm. You know, whether, I mean, you know, Los Angeles and San Francisco, um, to name two. 
When I was with uh, the Crass guys, we played in Groningen, uh, North Holland, and I've, I've, I just took a liking to that place. Had to go back, you know. The same with Hamburg, Berlin, just constantly going back there. Munich. Uh, I've been to Hamburg and Berlin. They are great places. Yeah. They? I love Germany. Yeah, I do. Have you have you been to the um, the Schweinstein Castle in Fuson? In um, that's rings a bit. You know the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Castle. Yeah, I think yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah, I, I went there. It looks like a fairy tale castle. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. That went around the I'm trying to think of the, there, the, name, yeah. the name of the king who had it built was. Um, what was he called? The Swan King. I'm trying to remember the, the name of the guy, but the crazy king, the autistic yeah. king who, uh, um, oh, I can't yeah, remember. Well, his... Was it called, was it, was Ludwig II or Louis yeah, II? Are, are they all called Ludwig? Yeah. Because <laughs> they've got, because when you're in Fuson, um, obviously it's up in the mountains, the, the castle, but they've got the beer of him. He's got his own beer. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's that's another. You sit, you sit there and drink. You sit there and drink the beer. Let me just check this out. And, uh, uh, yeah, they kind of they they kind of bumped him off, didn't they? It was that it wasn't yeah, like it wasn't actually um, like a, a fact in history, but when you get the vibe of it, which is Ludwig the Second of Bavaria. What was your memory? Your memory's really good. Yeah. So yeah, um, the, the, the locals and all the kind of. Uh, you know, other royals and stuff were like, he's spending too much money on this castle. It's never going to yeah. be finished. You know, he's rubbing, he's, he's like raising the taxes to build this fantasy castle. When it's epic when you go there and it was never finished. They, Someone sort of killed him. It was never said who did it. Or, you know, no one got punished for murder, but he, he was gone. Mm. And then yeah. years later, they were like, he was a visionary. Let's finish it off. And they finished it all off, and that looks amazing. Yeah, and well, this Disney, Walt Disney World, the the castle, fairy castle, basically nicked from that. Yeah, all the turrets are the same, everything inspired yeah. by that, not nicked. Inspired. I think that he was more into peace, and like that, that was it. He was kind of bumped off partly because of that, and he had a big fan of music, you know. And I think that he put a lot of money and sponsored a lot of musicians, but he was generally quite a peace loving guy. Yeah. Because he built a little one down below, yeah, in the valley near the lake, which we also went to, and he lived in there where the other one was being built. So he kind of watched its construction, um, and then when he, I can't even remember if he even got to live in it before he. No, I don't know. He never made it up there. Whether it was ever livable. But this is the history thing, you see. I mean, th- this is the other thing. It's one of the things that I quite like about stuff like podcasts or, you know, when you get YouTube kind of um, channels that dedicate themselves to a certain thing, you can just listen to them all day long. It's great, you know. Yeah, so I am a fan of history. What's yeah. your What's your favourite period of history? If you could live in any period of history, where would you go? So That's two questions. No, it's, it's, no, it's very, very easy. Really, really simple. I, I can actually do two questions as well, if you want. Yeah. So, um, uh, the Cavern, 1961. I knew you were going to say that. Hamburg, 1961. Right. I'd like to be in both those places. Yeah, yeah. At that, that time. Wow. Would you have tried to join the Beatles? Let's be honest here. Would, knowing how well you play the guitar now, would you have tried to kind of get yourself in that band? 
Yeah, frick it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Doing a bet. That would be outstanding, wouldn't it? If you could, <laughs> if you could go back. Now you're just going, now you're just going off to a, a right, a real tangent. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's that. We film, do that. There's that film, isn't there, about the Beatles, and it was. Yeah, I guess. I guess a little bit. Doesn't he wake up and the Beatles have never existed or something? Yeah, it gets a little I bit. Watched it. It starts off, but you know, the theme is okay when it starts, and then it's not okay. We've got the idea now, you know. Yeah, yeah the Beatles absolutely. have never existed, and yet you've got memories of all the songs, so you're obviously going to become really famous. <laughs> obviously, yeah. I mean, they could write a good song, couldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Right from the very beginning, from the first album, you know. Yeah. Please, please, me. It's a great album. Yeah. What I always like about the Beatles is that every album is every album sounds completely different, doesn't it? You know, mm. there's there's no albums which are like carbon copies of the one before. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're really a fan of a band, then I mean, the Sex Pistols had one album. Yeah. Well, they had great B sides. You could appreciate the B sides as well. The Damned have had lots of good good albums. So there's a band, you know, you could obviously you can go towards and sort of like, you know, you've got more. Uh, Bad Religion, loads of good albums. Um, Thin Lizzy, loads of good albums. You know, so th- there are bands out there. Metallica, everything's great up until Scent Anger. And then, you know, you can take Scent Anger out. And Lulu. I didn't like Load. And you know what, Lulu, I kind of appreciate it for what it is, you know. Yeah, no, fair it's, it's, I couldn't listen weird. to it. What's Lulu? Uh, with Lou Reed. Lou, Lou Reed. You can appreciate it because it's with him. And Lou Reed himself is a work, is a piece of art. So the fact that they've done that with him, it's just an artistic statement. That's what it is. And, and also it's to hold up to say we've done this with Lou Reed. Lou Reed's an extraordinary character. I mean, he did an album, what was it, Metal Machine Music, which was literally just two sides of feedback. Really? I mean, you know, let's take Revolution Number 9 and push it even further. You know, you can kind of listen to Revolution Number 9. You know, it can, it's irritating, but you can listen to it. Whereas Metal Machine Music, fuck me. It's just, yeah. If you want to clear a party, put it on. Yeah, there's a lot of like drone bands and stuff now, and people literally make music just to sound like it's droning noise. I've heard some of those Nine Inch Nails ghost um, ghost EPs and albums, and um, yeah. some of them are really like slow. I wouldn't say yeah, that's droning. I would say that's droning noise, yeah. but they're well, very, you know, they're, diff- they're very different. And you know, the slowest slow. the slowest piece of music, um, I believe, didn't it begin in the 17th century and it's still being played now and it's going to go on for another three or 400 years. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Wowza, that's crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. The slowest piece of music ever. I, I might be wrong. It might have, might have started in the 18th century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's going to be going on for about another two or 300 years. God, that's insane, isn't it? You don't hear anything for like a year or two. And then there'll be like one note or something. And then one note comes, yeah. <laughs> it's I might, great. I might grab hold of the CD and put it on in my car. Yeah, just wait. I actually wait think... years you last. Stick it in an app, speed the fucker up. I mean, we used to do that, you know, back in the day with all the hardcore bands. We, when we used to have, like, tape to tape, we used to, like, get a tape of, like, the fastest hardcore band put it on double speed and then hear it even faster, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then try and play it like that, you know. 
Nice. Why not, eh? <laughs> so, so listen, <laughs> what we always like to ask is, um, well, usually it's our first question, but it's uh, it's been relegated right down the list. But what was the first gig you went to that, like, you remember paying to go to see a band and, you know? My, my parents took me to a gig. Does that count? Yeah, yeah of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, uh, because there's that and there's the first gig that I paid to, so... Give us both. Yeah. yeah. We, love well, we love it. My parents took me to see Status Quo. <laughs> hey, nice. Which I still think are great. Oh, you know? mate, I've, I've seen them countless yeah. times. Ben um, was sad about his love for the Quo, wasn't he? Yeah, when he, he was. was on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was Manchester Apollo, and I think it was 1977. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they, my parents were pretty good for that. They used to take me to like their social club, you know, like a working man's club and there'd be bands playing and stuff, you know, just cover bands, you know. Yeah. But it was the seventies. And so it was always, you know, quite, quite good fun seeing all these bands wearing flares and, you know, playing their Gibson Les Pauls and like just singing these songs that were in the charts at the time you know so that was like a working man's club but was that in manchester did you say yeah well older well chatterton to be really specific there was a club that they used to take me to and it was called the the cot club c-o-t but you know that the the accent the very strong Oldham accent, when they say cot, they don't say cot, they say cot. cot. We're, going, we're, going, we're going to cot club, which of course to me <laughs> sounds like they're saying cock. <laughs> so I, cock club. We're going to cot. And um, I, I just remember as a kid just laughing whenever they used to say it, we're going to cot. Cot. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so that was the club. And and there was a club that was a big cot club and another one that was a little cot club. Going to a big cot. <laughs> little, little cot. So hours oh, of right. fun. And then... Um, so, but depending on how good you were, you were, you played in the, the little cock or the big cock. Yeah. <laughs> if Yeah, if you was shit, you played in the little cock club. And... Um, <laughs> But then we moved to Peterborough, which was like, you know, a life-changing event. Um, yeah, it was really upsetting at the time, but I'm glad it happened. But uh, mm. I remember at the time having to sacrifice so many things because we were moving house. You've got to throw this away. You've got to throw that away. And, of course, leaving my brothers, which, uh, you know, they stayed there. And my, right. eldest, my eldest brother was kind of like my mentor, and he sort of he was the one that, initially showed me how to play the guitar you know so leaving him was you know you know it was awful um but then set up bass in peterborough and some of the first people that i met over there were punks Mm. which were kind of like two three old two three years older than me you know but we shared the fact that i'd already had some punk stuff in my record collection because if you live in manchester you're able to see this program called so it goes which was on in 1976 and 77 which was tony wilson and he brought the sex pistols onto that and many other punk bands penetration susie and the banshees buzzcocks and so on so you was introduced to it so you know you'd see these bands and then you'd go to the record shops there was all there was like old and small town 
still had like eight record shops. It was great. So you could go and, you know, get whatever records. So I had a, like a bit of a punk record collection, stuff like Stranglers, Sex Pistols, um, Buzzcocks, stuff like that. Didn't really get into the damned until later. I think you had to be a little bit older to get into that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're on, when you're 10, 11 years old, you don't access the more underground stuff straight yeah. away. Um, and then my friends introduced me to the sound of the clash. So, you know, that was, you know, the first songs that I was hearing then were things like complete control and white riot. And, um, they were, they were going on tour and play, uh, touring the, um, give them enough rope tour, give them enough rope album, second album, which I think is a fantastic album. And, um, they were playing in Peterborough. So I was 12 years old. So I went with my friends and that was the first gig that I paid to get in. And what a great gig. Wow. Yeah, no, that's, that's You're only 12 as well. Yeah. 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 Amazing, mate. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I must have seen some, uh, social club, definitely some rock bands when I was that age with my parents, but I don't, I would never have gone to a gig on my own with a load of powers at 12. When I was twelve, yeah. I listened to Michael Jackson. So <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. And Bros. <laughs> there is something wrong with that. You didn't need to add that, did you? <laughs> but then I discovered <laughs> Guns N' <and> Roses. <laughs> um, I'm trying to pl- uh, play Cat. Stop till you get enough. <laughs> Yeah, nothing wrong with a bit of Michael Jackson. No, no, definitely not. He did some good tunes. He did some great tunes. He did, he did. He literally just (laughs) ruled the airwaves and ruled the TV when I was a child. Yeah, yeah. It's literally was just Michael Jackson life, wasn't it? (laughs) There it goes. can't play it straight off you know i haven't played it for years is that but the one that van halen wrote didn't he eddie van halen yeah he wrote the, he wrote that guitar piece yeah it's nearly there yeah it'd, just take, a, it'd take a couple of minutes and i'd pick it all back up again so let, let's talk about um janice stark for a while um how did that all come about did was that your band you put together was that your your idea? Yeah, I mean, did you meet the other guys. Janus Stark really began in um, it. Kind of, it was the band that came from the English Dogs. Mm-hmm. So, um, back in ninety five, ninety six, um, me and Pinch, which is his band, and he, um, we were kind of like the the, the sole surviving members of the like. 84 lineup of the English dogs. Mm. And we had something to do with the English dogs. Am I right? 
Was he not? No. Yeah. And um, yeah, we got a bassist called Shop, and we formed the three piece. And um, the three of us, that we'd kind of already done like a lineup of the English dogs that wasn't too successful with, with the earlier guys, and they, they did, they realized that they weren't really into it. So we kind of, me and Pinch, we got this bass player, became a three piece. And then we wrote an album called All the World's a Rage and we toured this. I mean, we did a lot of touring in Germany because we were on a German label. Mm-hmm. Um, but we toured everywhere. And I was very proud of the album because most of it, it was like a return to form. It was, you know, like a punk metal kind of hardcore influence. Um, I, By default, I became the singer of the band. We did have a singer, but he just wouldn't, he wasn't turning up, you know, to rehearse mm. things. So he wasn't turning up to the recording sessions. So we decided, you know, well, you know, you're going to have to go, you know, and because I was writing the songs anyway, well, I was writing the bulk of the songs. So, you know, at least 70% of everything. So, um, so I, yeah, I became the singer and, you know, <clears throat> guitarist. And so we went out. And then the whole prodigy thing happened. And uh, with that, it was like, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with uh, the English dogs? I mean, we had this, there was something that happened during the English dogs that I, that, you know, I wasn't pleased about. Um, when we was recording the album, I was really sort of like uh, striving for a, you know, a, a guitar heavy mix you know so i want i wanted loud guitars mm-hmm. um we had andy sneep it was we was his first sort of mix production we were the first band that he was producing mm-hmm. and i guess i was kind of in my head thinking oh i wanted the guitars even louder but he was saying no pinch is a really good drummer so we've got to you know we've got to get the drums up as well and this is before the days of pro tools you know it's still using adapt so mm. no you know, you're limited with what you can do, but Andy did a brilliant job. He did a really great job. Um, and then the record label, they turned around and said, oh, you know, what's this? It sounds like um, Anthrax. And, and uh, they said, no, you're going to have to get it remixed. You know, we, we, we're we not going to be able to work with this. You know, it's not punk. And I just, well, and I, remember, I went on holiday with me and um, the wife. Um, and... When I came back, Pinch had gone into the studio and remixed it and just basically took half of the guitars out and turned it down. And that just really upset me because, you know, I'd, I'd written this bloody album or yeah. lion's share of it. And I had a vision in my head of what I wanted it to sound like. And uh, it had been diluted. You know, the guitars were very, very, it was, it was all of a sudden, all it was about was this, just mainly drums, you know. And um, I kind of thought, but it just really upset me. And I, you know, it, I just couldn't feel the hunger for even wanting to tour the album anymore, you know? Yeah. And uh, so then the whole prodigy thing happened. And with with that came some self-confidence that I hadn't had previously, you know? And uh, so when we were looking at the English dogs, what are we going to do? I just kept on having it in my head, you know, I think it's time for a new direction. I think that we're going to have to sort of reinvent it and go for a name change because I've written a whole bunch of new songs here, and you know, and I kind of don't know if I want them coming out under the English Dogs name. Now, don't get me wrong; I love the English Dogs, and I love what we did. I mm. love everything that we did, you know, in all the different lineups. I love all of it, but I was really feeling 
hurt by what happened and i and i went you know as i said i was in the prodigy so i had this new confidence um so i decided no we're going to change the name and we're going to have a whole bunch of new songs it, and that gave birth to Jana stark right. so Jana stark really began in 96. and where does that name come from Jana stark it's a comic character oh right. yeah it's, it's in a comic called valiant uh just a comic that i used to read as a kid but you know when you're thinking of band names you know you've got lists of loads and loads of suggestions yeah and you're just looking at all of these names and i remember like showing this list to the guys in the prodigy and it's quite obvious that they picked it because it said anus in it (laughs) and i kind of thought yeah why not you know that's all right you know it's going to get some attention and it kind of does anus star with a misspelling or maybe anus stark french je anus <laughs> but um yeah it's you know it's it's uh it's a comic so, so weird because i never thought of it the anus bit at all until you just said that oh i did anus <laughs> no, no i just didn't i just i'm always constantly going up for the t-shirts and just doing all anus star never thought of that i don't know why it's them <laughs> black and white in it but it's a great name it's a great if you had tunnel vision it'd be perfect <laughs> and that's the that's the t-shirt to the it's in the new album yeah. is it? it is yeah there's a new album cover right there you got my address in you okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no. actually i've got to mention this because we are facing the crowd yeah that's all we are faces in the crowd and uh i actually saw you with the uh prodigy at uh red in 97 and when you came well, out 96 red in 96 yeah 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 red in 96 and when you came out keith it's a loud power chord in history <laughs> keith was in this like big hamster wheel thing when he came out on the stage you know like the, the people in the hamster wheels yeah <laughs> inflatable inflatable resorb thing when he come out on stage was going across the stage in that do you right, remember that thing I can't remember that, but... Because I was standing in the field stoned like, what is he doing? What is that? I've never seen one of them before because I know you can play football in them now and everything, can't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I, was getting, I was getting over something that happened that day. There was... Um, I used to... Ha- I had this Marshall amp. I'm just looking around to see if it's here, but it's not. It's, it's not here. Um, I had this... It was this three-channel Marshall amp that I used to use in the Prodigy. I've still got it now. And... Um, in the back of the amp, there was like a little kind of screw. Uh, you could put in a flat head screwdriver and you could turn it and that would be a volume control. And what it was controlling was like a speaker simulator. So if you wanted to, you could take a feed from that and put it direct into the PA, not have any mics. Now, of course, it's not going to sound as good as, as if you put on a Shure SM57 on a 4x12 cab, but... The guys in the product, the sound guy, Nick Warren, great guy, love him to bits. He always turned the guitars up. <laughs> uh, he he decided it was a really good idea to take a feed out of this and not have a mic on stage because there's a lot of noise on stage. So I said, yeah, you know, that's okay. But when we were we were playing their law, and if you can remember that basically the way how it used to be in the Prodigy, which was great, a really good dynamic setup, Members would come on, play to a, a song, 
and then they'd come off and then there'd be the next song. Sometimes a member would stay on for two songs or maybe even three, but generally they'd go on and come off, yeah. you know? And it, so it, it was like, you know, this sort of like, um, you know, almost a conveyor belt of different sort of acts. Do you know what I mean? Swinging doors of different acts. Mm. And, um, it, it made for a really dynamic gig. I think that we were best 96 and 97 because we had that routine, you know. And um, so we were doing their law. And during that song, there's me, Maxim and Keith. And I couldn't hear any other guitar. Now, bear in mind, you're playing Reading Festival. It's not right. You should be able to hear your guitar, you know. Yeah, it's, of course. it's not in the monitors. I'm turning to the monitor man. I'm saying, can't I hear the fucking guitar? What's going on? Turn it up. And he's looking at me and he's saying, oh, good, it turned up. You know, it's all the way up. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And I was like, this is wrong. You know, so then when we came off, when I came off from their law, I was explaining, you know, we, we went on and we came off, you know, and came off. I looked round at the back of the martial lamp and I thought, is it? It's got something to do with that screw hole. So I put my finger in and I turned it up full. And then the next song I was due to go on and play was Firestarter. So you've got this atmospheric intro, these horns blowing. <laughs> this reverb going all over the place with these high-pitched sort of these kind of keyboards high-pitched droning note going on keith is dragging this mic stand across the stage he's looking at me he's like, are you ready kids are you ready i'm ready are you ready yeah i'm ready are you ready i'm ready are you ready <laughs> and then next minute is the idea was you know we used to do the intro and then i'd do this crashing power chord you know a bit like holidays in the sun you know that, that was the loudest power chord in history <laughs> that monitor man wasn't lying he had turned everything up full because there was no signal now there was nothing but signal oh my god my finger had cranked that fucker right up it was Bless <laughs> keith he had his moicans were like this you know he, kind of, he was running towards me, going, turn it down! And, uh, oh, God. Well, I, I, I didn't get fired that night, but the monitor man did. No. <laughs> it, was, it was an outstanding set. I remember being truly amazed by it. I mean, I was only, I don't know, 17 at the time. <laughs> I think it was... Uh, yeah, it was such a such a good lineup at that festival. We went, we went to 95, 96 and 97 in a row good and it was just like fuck three reddings in a row yeah yeah um, i don't regret a second of it they're no, like one of the best you? memories i've ever had that's you know, what those, it's about those, those festivals you know we went back in 2007 because so i think it was metallica headlining but well, there you go yeah because it did v the same sort of era didn't they yeah, yeah. Fact, the fact of the land at v yeah there's two v festivals that we played the first one was the best awesome what about the, um, you played Red Square in Moscow, didn't you? Mm. Russia, there was like 200,000 people there, wasn't there? Any memories of that? Did, did, 250,000 did... people. Mainly it was, was it? Very, it was very dark. Uh, and the thing is when you, when you play 
in the red, red in the red square and it's that dark you, you can't really the perspective of how many people there is is, is difficult to grasp mm. it's kind of see a sea of people with lights going all over the place uh, it was very um it, it was a bit surreal because we were kind of getting bullied by these russian police who were like insisting you know stay between the lines or you, you know you're going to see some action you know uh, you know they, they were all carrying guns and they, they weren't afraid to um, show that they had some authority over you even though you was headlining this gig mm. <laughs> you know? yeah um and then of course you be going on when i see the footage now i can see like so it must have been cold because I can see my breath, you know. So, it, but I can't remember it because at the time it was just so, you know, overwhelming, mind blowing that it was. It, it was just as I said, it was like a sea of. There, there was so much to look at. It was, how am I taking all this in? And of course, I'm going to go on and just really leap around like fuck. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, Rip it up. Yeah, well, I saw it recently, and and I really enjoyed watching it. I thought Keith was amazing. Um, it was it was great to watch, but it was an experience, and I have to say that the uh, you know the, the Russian the Moscow police were very unfriendly. Yeah, a lot of people say that. Like you know, you, you read about it a lot, don't you? Bands that like I think Pantera played there, didn't they? And and, and they they got a lot of grief. Like, yeah, the monsters in Mos- Moscow. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. The police were like they were watching. They were watching like the police just going through the crowd, just hitting people for like. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, we we even had trouble at the after show party that was supposed to be ours. <laughs> God. You know, and we're getting grief from the police. The police are telling us where to stand all the time. You know, and it's like, it's yeah. our party, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go over there. What do you mean I can't go over there? You know, if you go over there, you know, we're all going to come after you, you know. It's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, honestly, it was, that made it a bit of a, oh, there's a story to it. I'll let you know. You'll, you'll My book will be being written next year, so you'll read the other stories in my book. There are a few others about that gig. Nice. Oh, nice. Saving them. I like it. Yeah. I'm not going to give it all away now. No, no, no. no. But uh, you must have some amazing memories of like, of, of that, that period in your life. And, you know, I've got, yeah, yeah but I've got amazing memories about every period of my life. Well, of know? course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So many things that have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I say, you've been in every band that's existed really, but like, pretty much. I mean, I've been, I'm very grateful for all the bands that I've been in, but maybe I've been in too many. You know, but I am I am very grateful for every one of them that I have been in. You know, it's a, it's been a journey. Which which band is the funniest to be with on the road? You know, I was in a band. Uh, I had a band called The More I See, and uh, it came because I kind of finished Jane Stark in two thousand and two, and then we had this metal band called The More I See, and uh, that ran for a few years. Uh, but I would say that the period between 2002 and 2005 was the funniest and most ridiculous. You know, uh, that was, uh, it was just ridiculous. It was great. It was great. It just a never ending. It was just a, a comedy show. 
mainly you know confessions of a window cleaner but but, but (laughs) absolutely hilarious you know one thing after another gig after gig day after day the characters in that band were just you know they were really good fun but it was doomed as well it wasn't going to last because i'm fond with those kind of characters you do get this volatile sort of situation eventually it's going to implode and it did you know but it was great whilst it lasted Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Can I ask you a random one? We always ask. You've only got one song to send into the universe, into space. Only one. Yeah. Any other life forms may hear this song. It's their yeah. only song we're going to send up there. Yeah. What, what's it going to be? It's got to be Every Little Thing Counts. <laughs> it was, it's, the most, yeah. it's the most important song I've ever written, you know, so there's no doubt about it. Um, that song is for me is the most important song that i've ever written you know yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I co-wrote it you know pinch wrote some of it as well so it was kind of a little bit english dogs a little bit you know um i mean you know i love pinch you know he's one of the greatest musicians one of the greatest drummers i've ever played with um and i'm sort of like sorry that we're not still playing together but we're not you know but We've always got that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. that song always, it keeps, whenever we play it, it always, you know, really works for everything. Every, you know, every gig that we play, the audience goes up, you know. It was in a couple of films, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, obviously the new album, I'm totally... You know, I really worked for that album. Well, basically, when we reformed, um, 2018, 2017, 2018, um, yeah, we reformed, and then <clears throat> the decision was made. Yeah, this feels great. So let's let's do something. Let's write a new album, and that's when we did Angel in the Flames, which I think was a you know, uh, I was very proud of. You know, and and I think for that album we got a great combination of. You know, good influences, Dag Nasty, The Ruts, UK Subs, Sex Pistols, Thin Lizzy, Van Halen, you know, um, Living End, a bit of Stray Cats here and there, a bit of Motorhead, a um, bit of Damned. You know, it was like a very good Jaina Stark album, you know, and I was, but then along came COVID and murdered it because yeah. we, we did a tour. We supported the Wild Hearts, which was a great tour. You know, we did 10 shows with the Wild Hearts. Every show, a 1,000 people. It was fantastic. And all the Wild Hearts fans loved us. We couldn't have asked for a better tour. No, no, no. So it was the best possible tour we could have. Then the album came out, so we started touring ourselves, headlining, and then March the 14th, COVID. Killed all that, you know. Mm, mm. So that album never got the recognition that it is you know deserved so whilst the uh, lockdowns were going on that's when i wrote the new album face your biggest fear mm-hmm. face your biggest fear comes from an, a different angle because during that whole lockdown period i found myself you know in a period you know in a period of discovery of music so i discovered um to begin with i discovered um okay so i went from rocket from the crypt and then from them I found John Reese, the singer, had these bands, the Night Marchers, um, the Sultans, Hot Snakes, 
and many more. So I kind of I was listening to him and all of his bands, and yeah. then. And then that took me on another journey, garage rock, garage punk, proto-punk, proto-heavy rock, you know, proto-heavy metal. I was listening to the roots of everything. I was listening to bands that did one demo in 1964 that would blow the fucking socks off Motorhead, you know, because the stuff out there. You know, you can't believe that what people have done, they've done this one single and it's just never been discovered. Yeah. You know, someone's died or something. I mean, for God's sake, MC5, what a band, you know. You you can watch some of the live footage now of MC5. It's still amazing. Mm, mm. Still, And this is 1967. And these guys are more powerful than, you know, so many of supposedly powerful bands. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> So I was really going down that route. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the Beatles, Twist and Shout, that's garage rock. Mm-hmm. You know, that is the sound of garage rock. It's a yeah. great sound, you yeah. know, the sound of dirty power, you know, rock and roll with dirt, with power, with venom, with, with um, you know, passion behind it, you know, explosion, you know, with, with that amphetamine kind of energy, you know, and... Um, so I was really getting into that. So I was writing the album. And at the same time, though, just before all that had happened, my parents died. Both of them had died like very close to each other. My dad in November, my mum in uh, January. Oh, so I was affected by that. But then COVID came along. So it was death of parents, then COVID. So it was a hell of an experience. Yeah. So, you know, it, literally it went like this. Wild hearts, death of parents, COVID. You know, it was like up fucking down Jesus. and then you know getting through this you know swamp of covid and um writing the album and i really feel that the album was you know this uh, one after another each song was kind of you know right in itself and it was mm-hmm. just really coming together i mean i'll always love that song though every little thing counts but God, I could point to any song off the new album and say, yeah, it could be that one, you know. Yeah, sure, sure. Oh, it's a great album. You know, there's so much going on there, you know. But um, I've got, um, it's my, I'm, in a, I'm in a little um, WhatsApp group with a few of my mates who are like heavily, heavily into music and always have been. And but they asked me to ask, well, one of them in particular, my friend Mike, he wanted me to ask you a particular question. Well, and that was, he wants to know, how many guitar overdubs are there on the last chorus of Barriers? Because it sounds like... <laughs> There's at least eight. Oh, at least eight. Yeah. I mean, um, because because we followed a... The idea that we did with Barriers, and I've done it since then on a few different recordings. I didn't do it so much on the new album. We did it on the last song, Shoot Me If I Can't Have the Right. Um, the some tracks so you might have like three tracks of guitar or two mm-hmm. and then when it goes into the next section we would change the guitar and probably the amp as well we always kept the same speaker yeah but then we kept on doing it like this so we kept stepping and stepping so we'd go from guitar section a where you'd have two two guitars section b you might have two 
or three totally different guitars. Then section C, again, it changes. Then you'd go back to A, the second, you know, the, you'd repeat section A. And, um, but then it'd be different again. And we'd, we'd keep doing it, but every time we did it, we'd let one thing stay there. So we'd kind of like go from two to three to four to this. It was like a trumpet, you know, like that. <laughs> and by the end of the song, yeah, we had eight guitars by the end of the song. And we, we did it. Um, we did it on the um, Angel in the Flames album. We did it on that as well. We did it on a song called Dead Dead. We did exactly the same, you know, production and arrangement idea. And that, again, that song, it just builds, builds and just keeps building. Sure. And then and we did it on the, the, the latest one, Shoot Me If I Can't Have The Right, where that song is a very, it's written in that way where there's no chorus. Mm-hmm. It just, and it doesn't repeat. It just goes from section A, B, C, D, just, kind of like Bohemian Rhapsody, I guess. You know, it just keeps going from one thing to the next to the next. And again, constantly changing guitar sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a standout song for me, actually, I've got to say. It's the last track on the album, right? Yeah, well, what we did with that, me and Andy, Andy Hawkins, the producer, what we did was we got all the guitars that are taken into the studio. So I took about 20 guitars. And we basically looked at the guitars and we paired them. So we listened to every one of them. We listened to them all with the same guitar sound, no. which is kind of like a Marshall uh, JVM 410. So we listened to every single guitar through that same sound. And then we, we matched them up. That one goes with that. That one goes with that. You know, so they, they were paired. And we basically go through pairs throughout the entire song. We go through pairs. And occasionally we pull out, uh, I've got one particular beauty, this one. This has played on every, everything that I've ever done since I got the guitar in, I think I got it in 97. So it's this. It's, Nicknamed Bluey. Nice. Um, doesn't take a genius to figure out why or that. And, and it's, it's, a, it's an Ibanez guitar, and it's just got such a sound. Um, let me just see if I can just give it a little bit of a crunch. In there. I don't even know if it's in tune. Uh, probably hasn't come out of its case since the recording studio. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds good. Now that's just, you know, I mean, let's say if I, we need a point of comparison here, don't we? Okay, so if you compare that to uh, this one, it's in a different tuning, I think. It might not be fair. It's not got the same. It hasn't got the same clarity or anything, has it? 
It sounds woolly compared to that one. <laughs> it's blooming. Yeah, so it's not as good. So Bluey played on everything, you know. So. Bluey's the one. Bluey's yeah, the it's, one. it's the greatest guitar, and it's not allowed on the road. So It's not allowed but, on the road? No, so don't want anyone to have any high hopes. No, fair play, mate. Thing is, it only takes one careless person, and you've the neck snapped, right? <laughs> oh, it's you know, yeah, or it, but... go, or it goes walkies, or, or it goes walkies. I mean, yeah. that happened to you. He was burgled, and they took his fucking guitars. Actually, <laughs> stole them from his house. Yeah, he got one of them back. Someone tried to sell it on eBay. Yeah, our oh, mine's a bluey as well. That's shit. Go and get your one. Yeah, he's going to get his one now. Go for it. Oh. I'll turn it on. Right, okay. So, do you want to do you want to see my bluey? Yeah, mine's called bluey as well. It's a beaut. There's a few of them around, and it, and it, it is blue. There's a very good... blue. So, come on then. Can you play me "Hit the Lights" so I can? No, get... I can't do that. I'm not going to embarrass myself. But this is only an episode. You can but... do the "Don't Cry" by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> But no, that's my baby. So yeah, give so, us Earth song. <laughs> I didn't have yeah, this. You grew up with Jacko. Come on, Sam. I didn't have this for two years because it got stolen out of my flat. And then one of my friends said, "Oh, I've seen um, I've seen a guitar that looks a bit like yours on eBay." And I was like, "Really?" So he sent me the link. And obviously, all this, all these knobs and the EMGs, I put in myself. And I was like, "Well, that yeah, is my yeah. guitar." That's your guitar. It's it started the auction at ninety nine p. Well, at least you've got it back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the strings were rusty. It was just sat under someone's bed in Kent. They obviously yeah, sat on it before they sold it. What did part you... of Kent? What part of Kent? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Did you buy it back then, or did you actually call no, the police? No, the police. The I, I told the police, and they went to this house in Kent the next day and kicked the door in first thing in the morning, and they, they sound it under the bed. The guitar's got history. It has got history. Yeah. Guitar's definitely got history. <laughs> this is my latest choice on the road. So this is what I've been using because it's. I, I, this is just such a great strap, and I've got one of these Vega trems, which are just absolutely amazing. For they, they really flutter nice. So I'll give you a little bit. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why I won't be playing mine on air. 
Yeah, we should have been more tech savvy and stream this live, shouldn't we? Wowza. Wicked. That was amazing. That was amazing. Absolutely. I read you're a big fan of Randy Rhodes as well. Yeah, well, I love all of them. You know, they're all great, aren't they? You know, they've all done their bit. Yeah. You know, so you just take them all in. Because like appreciation. All... Yeah, I mean, crikey, I mean, Randy Rhodes. Oh, man, Jesus. He's so, so great. You know, there's, there's something about him. You know, I mean, Mother Revelation Earth is just so damn fine, isn't it? Mm, oh, yeah. Great. Yeah, I mean, everything they ever did was really amazing, but Mother Re- Revelation Earth, that lovely windy, there's a great windy lick in there. It's, it's certainly one that takes you a bit longer to work out, you know. I can't remember exactly what it is, you know. I don't know what it is, but it's. I know it's got some flapping around, you know. <laughs> so, but I know it took a little while to work it out. Just such a unique guitarist, but um, you know. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm I'm pleased that Zach Wild took over because I think he was a good man for the job as well. You know, I'm a big Zach Wild fan. So. But I know I'm actually like quite a fan of the um, what is it? Uh... That one. Yes. My guitar's going out of tune a bit, but it'll make you. Mark at the moon. Sounds amazing. Yeah. I remember. At that point, I raised my fist. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, but that ending of that one, also, what is it? That... That's one of the best licks ever, that. And then that one. I don't know what the lick is, but it sounds to me like that. Something like that. But I love that lick. Sure, I've stolen it many times. <laughs> so, how did the how did the whole prodigy gig come about anyway? Because they're not a band that you do really associate with electric. No, right? no, no, because I'm not a fan of dance music at all. Right, right, right. Um, I don't mind a bit of funk, but I don't like uh, dance music. And and but the prodigy are different, aren't they? You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're totally head and shoulders above all of that genre. You know? um, and 
I was, I'm friends with a guy called Mora. He's a journalist. And he was writing. Kerrang. Kerrang, wasn't he? That's right, yeah. yeah so he's he, always writing gigs and stuff. He used to, yeah. to buy, he used to buy Kerrang every week, obviously. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so he was, uh, he was writing for Kerrang. And um, so he got, basically, he was a friend of mine. So he was a, he was a fan of the English Dogs. So he got me in via via that, you know. So yeah, he phoned me up and said, "I know a really big band that are looking for a guitarist. Would you be interested?" It's like, God, yeah, I've been spending all my life struggling. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a break, you know. Who wouldn't? I mean, there's so many there's so many people out there in every town. And this is what the song Shoot Me has to, if I don't have to write, is actually about. That in every town, that there's people that are kind of, you know, they're active, proactive people. You know, they're, they're trying to make something. They're movers, movers, shakers, you know, whatever you want to call them. They're people that are trying to make something happening, you know. Yeah, we know people like this. Yeah. A lot of them, are, but you are yourselves. You're doing something. Yeah, we do. But, but there's people that, you know, they're in bands, they're trying to get the band to do something. Uh, they're organising their own bloody gigs. You know, they're doing everything. You know what it's like when you're in, you, know, you, you two probably in bands yourselves now. You're probably organising gigs as well. I mean, good God, is there anything else that you... Are you... Are you are He's you, in the band. Are you making the tea? Do you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> how many more jobs? How, you know, this is like... You know, you end up doing everything, don't you? You know, and it's, you know what it's like, you know, you... you you're making the flyers, you're sorting the T-shirts out, you're going out, you're handing flyers out everywhere, which, damn, you've got to be honest, it doesn't feel great, does it? You know, <laughs> you walk into a room of like 300 people and you've got to hand them all the flyer. It feels a bit oh, shit, you know, but sometimes you just have to do it. You know, when, uh, when we had that 100 Club gig come up recently, the launch album, so I went down to London and just parked myself outside the Astoria. Um, the Descendants were playing, so 500 people coming out. Every one of them is going to get a flyer. Do you know what I mean? So you know, I do it myself. You know, I'm not saying I like doing it, but you, someone's got to do it. Yeah, oh, completely. completely. So like, and, and every town's got those people, and I feel sorry for those people. <laughs> I can relate to it. You know, so basically, all those people are all, you know, God, they're all champions. You know, all of them. You know. A lot of luck, a lot of talented people looking for a lucky break. And what you're saying, yeah. you got it, and you, and you, you know, you grabbed it with both hands, didn't you? I, got, I, I got a break. You know, yeah. so I got that. I mean, a lot of people think I shouldn't, I didn't deserve it, or I shouldn't have got it. I wasn't necessarily the right person for the job. It doesn't matter. I got it. And, um, you know, and I, when I was on those stages, man, I leapt as high as I could, you know, and I banged my head so hard it could, you know, make yeah. it to snap, you know. I did what I could, you know. Gave it everything, didn't you? Yeah, I did what I could, you know. <laughs> Recognize it. 
And then there's the, <laughs> the loudest oh, cool. Yeah, if you watch any of the old stuff, that's what it is. Amazing, amazing. I mean, for a laugh, I've done that with Jaina Stark. We have, we have done it just for a laugh, you know. What was, what was Keith like as a character? You must miss him, man. You know. Yeah, you want to bet? I mean, he died way too early. Um, well, he was, he was a person who did it. You know, he meant it, and. Um, yeah, he had no fear. Mm, mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had no fear of becoming, um, you know, that 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 front man character, the, the, the crazy, the look, everything. Just the, I think the, what, the passion and and the way he uh, delivered his. Um, his well, you should try. And he, he meant he definitely meant it, didn't he? <laughs> if you get the chance, just. Go and watch some of that footage from 96, 97. I actually did last night, yeah. But that's when I watched a bit of the Moscow one. Uh, some of the 98 yeah. stuff as well. But, you know, I think that by the time 98, 99, I think it's starting to lose it. Um, what we had at the beginning was definitely, that was it. You know, that really was it. And if, you, if you're able to take look at some of the footage, um and you could slow it down and you will just see how much is going on in 10 seconds. Mm. It's just, it's just unbelievable how much is going on, how many face expressions Keith pulls. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's supernatural. Honestly. Yeah. yeah it's like the first <laughs> time you see that fire start a video, you just like, Oh mate, this is. Yeah. But you watch it live. It's, yeah. It's supernatural. He's got more face expressions in 10 seconds than, you know, it looks like it's photoshopped. It's absolutely supernatural. My favourite was always Breathe when that album came out. I absolutely love it. This guitar's too out of tune. I can't give do it just. <laughs> you can tell that was it though. Yeah, you could totally. Could, totally could. Yeah, I'm so lucky. So lucky I got to see him at Red in '96. Where's Bluey in the prime? Where's Bluey when I need it? You put it back in the case. You see. Breathe with me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> 
Awesome guitar yeah, in at the end. We've never had someone play like you know like that, which is we which never is had great. someone come and play Firestar and Brave, <laughs> and, no, we'll ne- and we will never forget it. You can so, sample it, use it yourself. <laughs> so, do you still talk to any of those guys, or is that just no, something, no. something that you just did in the past, kind of thing? That's over. I know they released an album like however long ago, or I think they did, didn't they? They released a new album. They went back to a sort of um, dance direction after that, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I've never, I haven't listened to it. but um... Out and out dance albums. Because I had one with the wolf on it. <laughs> I think one of the, the, Fox, the problems... I think it was pretty good. It was. The problem is, is that when you, you, you're in something like that, and then for whatever reason, you're, you're not anymore, um, I think that if you try and cling on to it, you're kind of, it's very sycophantic. So you have to be yeah. very... Very careful because you you can alter your behaviour. Why the fuck should I do that? You know. Mm, mm. So um, no, it's it's gone. It's over. You'll be reading about it in my book. We will. Looking forward to reading it. We will, and we will one hundred percent to writing it. One hundred percent do a little post on that book when it comes out. Yeah, you have my our word. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, hey, Giz, you've been. Superb. You Don't really want it have. to end, but it has to eventually because the computer hasn't got any memory to <laughs> go in. <laughs> well, let's not forget, hey, that, um, you know, we are here to discuss that. Well, of course. So... Is it the right way round? I don't know. Face your biggest it is. fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was spiders, but now it's just releasing <laughs> albums, isn't it? Well, no, no. The the biggest fear now, I guess, is um, I guess we all, I, I guess, the fear of being a failure or something, you know. Um, so, I mean, for me, I just like, I, I what, what should I do next? I don't know. Spend a bit more time with my kids, you know. Nothing wrong with that, mate. Maybe <laughs> that's what, doesn't make you a failure, does it? Maybe that's what I need to do, you know. So, but that's but that's what that's what I mean. Face your biggest fear. I mean, yeah. It is kind of like that whole concept of what are you the most afraid of and trying to find out what actually is it? What am I, what is my biggest fear? You know, when you really look in and keep looking in and don't stop looking in, keep going further in. And then I kind of realized one day, fuck, you know, I don't, I don't want to be like, I don't just want to be the guy that was walking out the door with a guitar case every day. Do you know what I mean? I want to be more than that, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was always scared of dying. I did it twice last year. And it... Really? <laughs> Jesus. He did. Yeah. yeah. He had a heart attack. It, what happened? Did your heart, did your heart stop? Yeah. Twice. Yeah. 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 Wow. Pretty crazy. But you know, I'm still here to tell the story. You're still here to tell the tale. Yeah. Well, but like ever since then, I've never, I mean, yeah, I get anxiety and I do think about dying, but it doesn't scare me anymore. Like the actual process of going through it wouldn't scare yeah. me. But now it's the fear of leaving your son, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's the biggest fear. But there you go. Maybe that's something we both share. You know. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. Uh, oh God, we've all, we've gone a bit deep. Nothing wrong with that. Also, I, I I kind of like you know, I've just come to appreciate the present more than 
anything, you know, you, you can't dwell on the past. Although I'm glad that I have my past. Of course. But I don't want, I certainly don't want to be kind of having, I do have some regrets, but I don't want to be dwelling on them. I really regret um, me and Pinch kind of losing our friendship and our musical partnership, you know, because uh, he was a really amazing drummer. But then, you know, I found other other drummers, you know, so, um, you know, I'm very happy with a lot of what's gone on in my life uh, as far as, like, uh, the music's been concerned. But, um, you know, I can't be kind of constantly thinking of, like, the future as well, you know, it's like, oh, I've got to do this, otherwise I'll be a failure. But I'm kind of more aware of the present. Yeah. So I'm kind of thinking, right, what are me and my son going to do tomorrow, you know? Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rather than, rather than thinking, oh, maybe I should be writing another album. So what, this, this one, I've just, just written the best one I can possibly write, you know? And it's a banger. And you, you're playing Liverpool <laughs> Saturday, aren't you? Playing Liverpool on Saturday. And where's that? What, what venue's that? The Outpost. The Outpost, yeah. Which is quite quite close to the centre. So have you got a few a few is there a small tour, a little few gigs like that? Well, we, that we, we're kind of doing weekends, you know, it's like yeah. Saturdays, uh, Friday, Saturdays, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, virtually every weekend. We we're trying to cover every part of the British Isles as best as we can. I mean, we're going up to Scotland, we've got two short tour of Scotland Scotland, which is great, mm. you know. Really looking forward to that. But we've got uh, a great venue down in South End called Chinneries. You should come and play. Yeah, we've been recommended that one. Yes. Well, we'll play. My come band down. will play with you. Yes. Hobo. Uh, Hobo you band. Need to, you need to, well, either sort it out quickly or we need to be looking at doing something next summer or something like that. Yeah, sure, sure. Right, if, you want to stay, if you want to stay in touch and organise something for next summer, yeah, it's great. 100%. You don't, have, don't have to rush into it and... let's do it now or do it next summer you know one or the other but um if you want to do something absolutely let's do it jadastark.co.uk that's the one that you should be looking at right just go to that one cool don't worry don't worry about any other ones and you're on twitter and instagram aren't you people yeah yeah, facebook um i mean the facebook one's very active so I'd get on, our, you know, go and like us on our Facebook page and, um, you know, because we're on it all the time. So, you know, just Everybody get on there, find the man, find the band, get on there and join in. Now, let's have a look. I'm get trying to these, get to these gigs. Yeah, get to these gigs. Well, listen, it's been amazing having you on. You've, well. I mean, what can I say? You've played guitars for us all night. You've entertained us as well as you spoken really to us. Yeah, it's been amazing. <laughs> it's so good to meet you. It really was. Yeah. Thank you very much. You know, I'd love to say the same, but I can't. <laughs> then don't. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get a gig sorted or something. That'd be amazing. Don't just say it, do it. No, I'm up for it, mate. I'm up for it. <laughs> He's be, on it. Be Hobo band are on it. I'll send you some clips of us, see what you think. Okay. Hope you're playing Bluey. Yeah, well, always. Bluey, Bluey's always <laughs> on that stage. Bluey on stage, Bluey in his pocket. Excellent. <laughs> Brilliant. All, All right, right, lads. All right, mate. 
Thanks so much for coming See you on. See later. Cheers. We'll speak to you soon. Top man. Bye. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Every little thing counts. Every little